Hello, and welcome to episode 7 of Faith, Trust, and Pixie Dust, a First Geek 411 podcast series. I'm Deanna, and I'm the host for this episode, and with me today are my good friends Carrie and Corey. How are you guys today? Doing good. I am full of turkey dinner because we had a Thanksgiving meal at work today. And, Corey, I'm glad we decided to keep Deanna on this podcast. I mean, she's not necessary, but she's fun to have. I'm we, we we considered voting Deanna off of the podcast, <laughs> and it was a close call, close but call. <laughs> ultimately we, we decided we needed to keep her around. We had to recount all the votes just to make sure. Multiple so recounts. It was so drawn out. <laughs> I'm relieved. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed listening to y'all's um, episode from last week. If you guys haven't caught it, it's the title is do the twist and they talk about their favorite disney plot twists and i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was fun and the thank you the who framed roger rabbit shoehorn thing killed me (laughs) i was like i forgot again oh my goodness (laughs) (laughs) it killed me too though i forgot about that you brought it up for me so yeah go check out that episode guys (laughs) it's real fun okay and before we get into it you can contact us um in many different ways uh you can go to our facebook page faith trust and pixie dust podcast or you can go to our twitter which is at ftpd underscore podcast and you can also shoot us an email at 1stgeek411 at gmail.com our personal twitters are at uncle's at sparkle underscore fists. <laughs> Ungle. Ungle. It's been a long day, but that one's Carrie's. Uh, it's like I've been going nonstop. My brain is all At like, sparkle underscore fists. fists. That's Carrie's. And then Corey's is at spilled x water. Mine is at Deanna790. I just gotta concentrate and I can do this. And guess what, guys? <laughs> now we're on Spotify! Yay! Yeah, so check OCS us out there. The I don't know how Spotify podcast works, but the guys at First Geek 411 set it up somehow. So they <laughs> made it happen. Yeah. Good stuff. And for our feature film this week, we're gonna be talking about Tarzan at Yay! request of Corey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And um, we're also going to be talking about um, our Once Upon a Time is going to be about The Little Mermaid being released and Newsies. We have some trailer. We have a new trailer. We have a movie coming out next week and someone very important just had a birthday. And we also are going to be ranking our top four Disney horses. There are more than you think. (laughs) There are a lot. I actually thought this was going to be super easy, but I had a hard time. I don't even know. I looked up a list and I have it linked in the show notes just because I was like, I needed to be reminded. I'm going to be honest. I didn't look any up. First four that came to my mind. I was like, they have to be the top since they're the first ones that came to my mind. So I had it down pretty fast. Makes sense. Um, so anyway, let's get into it. Our feature film for this week is Ooh. Tarzan. And I'm going to go ahead and throw out some fun facts before we really start digging into it. Okay. The first one is it took them three years for the animators to come up with the opening sequence. Like, I think they just couldn't decide on how it should go or who it should start with. Well, they 
really shoved so much story into that opening sequence. They really did. It was yeah. it was good. And they managed to, they could have continued on and done a lot. You could do almost a whole movie with just the stuff that's covered. Kita. Can you hear her squeaky toy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, baby. Puppy with squeaky toy. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, honey. Um, you can do so much. You can almost make a whole movie out of what is covered in the opening sequence. So Yeah. It's pretty epic. And then um, but yeah, like it sets off the movie super well and introduces the um theme of the movie that love the lovely Phil Collins wrote and it's just epic and catchy. Oh, oh, did okay. Did you I finally figured out why Phil Collins went so hard on the on the Tarzan soundtrack, guys. Yeah, well, how, why? Because he could feel it in the air that night. <laughs> I can feel it no. coming in the air no. tonight. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, anyway, let's move on. <laughs> the um, Also, the third act, like the very end, was going to be almost completely different. Because I think in the book, he goes to England with Jane. America. But Disney decided... Yeah, America. Yeah, Disney decided he should stay with his family. I like that ending more, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes more sense, I feel like. Um, and then Phil Collins also wrote the bulk of You'll Be In My Heart while I, he was at a Christmas party playing a friend's piano. And I'm like, that's really cute. Um, and he also did all of the percussion sounds in Trash in the Camp. I believe it. So that's nice. all Phil Collins. And lastly, I think we've mentioned this in another podcast, possibly, um, that the um person who i guess worked on the animation of like how tarzan like slides around on the trees is um was inspired by his 15 year old son who goes to um who would like watch a lot of x game stuff and i think also like skateboarded mm-hmm. or did some sort of boarding but i'm not sure if we mentioned that in a podcast or if we were just talking about it at the con while we were in the hotel room, but we did talk about that. And I always thought that that was really cool that he drew inspiration and had this new take on Tarzan based on his son. And I thought that was really neat. Yeah. So, um, but I know Corey has a lot to say, so go for it. Okay. So I read Tarzan last year and let me say, I don't say this often, but the (laughs) Disney movie is so much better than the book. It really, really is. I backed this up because she told me everything about the book. I'm like, hmm, this movie sounds better. I'm doing this thing where I try to read, like, classics, things that everyone thinks they know the story of but haven't actually read. And so I did Tarzan. And it was pretty uncomfortable, actually. I had only ever really seen Disney's Tarzan, and I thought that that's what Tarzan was. And somewhat, yes, but, um... Tarzan, the book, it's, um, it's uncomfortable, it's, (laughs) it's a bit sexist, and it's pretty racist. So that was really uncomfortable. I mean, it's a product of its time. I mean, yeah, but even, uh, even products of their times can go too far, and knowing you know, what we do now, it's just very uncomfortable reading that book. Oh, I'm sure. I'm not I'm not excusing it at all. I'm just saying, you know. Is it our... like like super cringy, I guess, when you read it? Yeah, yeah. Oh no. It's it's bad. 
it is bad and it is very offensive to anyone of African origin or African ancestry. It is bad. Yikes. So, uh, (laughs) Disney got rid of all that, which was nice. Um, The first example I noticed was that the mother and father were building the house together in the Disney movie. In the book, the mom kind of just immediately spaced out and kind of wasted away until she just died while the dad did everything. I love that scene in the opening with her helping him where she's carrying baby Tarzan on her back and she's like, I'm going to help you. I love that. She's a new mom. She's like taking care of a baby and building like a tree house. Like she is tough. And that tree house <laughs> is very impressive. I know, right? I would but not she was just like a, house, a tree house. She was like, "Move over, baby. It's the late 1860s. <laughs> Women are coming up in the world." More like, "Get on my back, baby, cuz it's the late 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Yeah, so that was super cool. I liked that. That was the first initial difference. Another, like, little background thing. Disney made the um, creatures that raised Tarzan gorillas. In the novel, they were not gorillas. They were what were called great apes, which are not a thing. They were, like, some weird white apes, and they were extremely violent. Kerchak was the leader, but was not Tarzan's father, uh, Kerchak was the leader. Kala was not his mate. Mm-hmm. So that's a difference in the Disney movie. Um, I like the motivation of one of the reasons why he shuns Tarzan so much in the movie being that he lost his own son. Yes. And is it ready to accept this different creature as his kid? Like he I like that a lot. Uh, Kala in the book lost her baby because Kerchak killed it. <laughs> yeah, so that... It, it's so much more meaningful the way Disney did it. I also know this. One of the reasons why it's okay in the book for Tarzan to leave is that his mother is dead. Correct? Yes. So yeah. if she's not dead in the movie, it makes more sense for Tarzan to stay in Africa. Yeah, so he that that is true. His mother is killed and Tarzan becomes a murderer when he kills another human avenging his mother and hey that's the plot of the legend of tarzan that came out like <laughs> two years ago <laughs> yeah that was that one was uh, related but um <laughs> other cool things that there were a few th- cool things in the novel i like there were things i liked things that had potential but didn't get realized um tarzan having a proficiency with tools in a way that the uh, the other apes did not which is something that Disney represented well in the film. In the novel, Tarzan, uh, his primary weapon was a lasso. And they actually referenced that in the movie by showing young Tarzan lassoing a stork and riding it, which I thought was so cool. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the creation of the spear represents the tools that he used and stuff like that as opposed to. Mm -hmm. And he got Mm -hmm. that from watching like rhinoceroses and stuff. So I think that's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that makes sense um i know there are a lot of fun like quotes from this movie too i really love the part where um the mother elephant is trying to get um uh tantor tantor my, ugh, my brain today but trying to get tantor to come in the water he's like are you sure this water sanitary it looks questionable to me i was like there's no piranhas in africa it's fine tantor and then they're like 
I'm like, don't tell him that. Of course, there's pretty good. No, she's yeah. right. They're uh, native to South America. I'm like, this feels like me teaching. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have quotes in my notes, too, from oh watching God. this. All I right. have, um, I have, and daddy, they took my, my boot. <laughs> Those are the ones I bought you. <laughs> the back and forth between Jane and her father is amazing in this film. You can I tell love that, it. Like, they don't just, like, get along as colleagues studying. They don't just get along as, oh, father and daughter. They get along, like, real as friends. Like, you can tell that yeah. they really like each other and like spending time together. And it's really cute. And they have very similar, like, personalities. Like, they love, like, discovering things, yeah. going on adventures yeah. and stuff. I love I the part love when she's drawing uh, Tarzan, and he's like, oh, shall I leave you in the blackboard alone? <laughs> <laughs> so I've good. I've seen such eyes. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh. oh. Yeah. <laughs> Jane is interesting as a character. I think she's a really good character. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. I have one thing that I really wanted to say about this movie. Um, mm -hmm. And that is, whenever we think of Tarzan as an icon, he's like hyper epitome of masculinity, right? We see him as this stoic sort of, you know, he-man type. And this movie did not portray him that way. In this movie, yes, he's strong and he is, you know, masculine. But he also... <laughs> He also exhibits, you know, intelligence and curiosity and empathy and, you know, this is the very fact that he's sensitive whenever he's upset about something and sad. They let him be sad or if he's excited or being goofy. They let him do that. And he has such sweet, intimate moments with his mom and his best friend is also female. If you don't realize that Turk is a girl, uh, there you go. Um, and he's sensitive. I'm not sure if I said that. Uh, bring her flowers and, you know, just... He is breaking a lot of toxic masculine tropes. And I really enjoy that because you won't expect that from Tarzan, you know, ah, he's yeah. king of the jungle. You know, you don't get that. And he's mm -hmm. just so soft. Like, he just has, like, his expressions and he's so gentle with other people. And I really enjoy that. And then in the end, when he has the gun on Clayton and he can't bring himself to do it, he goes, not a man like you. I was like, oh, yeah. Yes. And... To jump off of that, like, I really also love the contrast you see in Clayton of these are both, like, masculine men, but mm -hmm. they both portray it in, like, a positive and a negative way. Yes. It's like, and and obviously one, like, gets more trouble than the other. And it's just, yeah, it's like you can be a manly man and be strong and not be a certain way and not follow, like those stereotypes because you kind of just turn into a horrible person and what's, sometimes. <laughs> what's funny is also if anybody's seen the movie george of the jungle it's very much similar in I that, love that they, movie. i love that movie too but they both portray masculinity in such different ways you know george mm -hmm. cares about ursula and what she wants and he's kind and sensitive to her needs and her wants and of course i mean he's not completely selfless he cares about himself too what i yeah. mean is there's a give and a take in a partnership um, and I like that as opposed to her fiance and the movie who's crazy, you know, um, yeah. and Jane's not with Clayton in this movie, but it, I, I just enjoy the give and the take where they're each learning from each other and they each care about each other. And it's, it's not so much, Oh, I'm the hero and I get the girl in the end, you know, like you kind of expect from mm -hmm. old Tarzan films and things like that. Yeah. Like you can still be 
um, the hero and be connected to your emotions and yeah. care about people. I think yeah. I think it's a good role model. Disney has a lot of good male role models, I think, for young boys as well as young girls in showing characters like that. So mm-hmm. I really like that about this movie. Yeah. All right. I think that I'm going to say something right now that will trigger a lot of talk. But can we talk about the role of hands in this movie? Oh, yes. Yes, we can. The scene where, you know, he puts his little little boy Tarzan puts his hand against Kala's. You're going to make me cry. (laughs) And he like, stop your crying. (laughs) (laughs) And then the scene where he meets Jay and he uncurls his fingers. And they do that, and uh, I love it. I love it so much. It happens so many times. Hands are such a crucial thing in this movie. I had not realized how much until I watched it this time. I mean, in the beginning, um, when Tarzan is a child, they show this. He goes up to Kerchak and reaches out toward him, and Kerchak jerks his hand away. Mm. He reaches out to touch his hand. Isn't this a thing with apes, though, where they kind of like bow themselves and reach out a hand isn't that a thing i i'm not sure but i do know that it definitely is oh my god Uh, (laughs) it definitely is in this movie it's touching hands has been an extremely meaningful thing throughout the movie early on when he touches hands with kala it's meaningful to her and um you know later on when he puts his hand against jane like you said and then when kerchak is dying he finally reaches his hand up to tarzan and they touch hands as kerchak is dying mm-hmm. i um, mean it's it's a huge deal throughout the movie and the part at also, the end with jane putting on her gloves as she's leaving the jungle kind of like as a barrier to the mm-hmm. emotions that she had felt while there, or what she'd expose herself to, and she's now covering it again and going back to her original trope, her original role. Yeah, but and then it kind of the glove, one of the gloves flies off to Tarzan, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. you know why yeah, it, it symbolizes like that connection and that like vulnerability to like mm-hmm. touch hands with another person, especially when they're like different from you. I also noticed that, and, and this is just something. Um, Early in the movie, Jane is drawing, right? Mm-hmm. So we see her using a pencil, and she's drawing with her right hand. Mm-hmm. At the very end, when she's leaving, she reaches out her left hand to Tarzan. She knew they were going to do the hand thing. <laughs> <laughs> if she was going to shake hands, she would have used her right, because he is also right-handed. That's how normal ah. people shake hands. She held out her left hand, and they, they were going to do the hand thing, and she knew it. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> All this talk about hands. Touching hands. Stop! Oh, Reaching no. out! <laughs> Touching me! This no. is how sweet Caroline! Sweet Tarzan! No. Alright, That just happened, guys. <laughs> this oh, is boy. actually what, you know, dealing with her is like. This happens. <laughs> yeah, this is like her natural I'm form. Sitting there for a full on minute and a half, being like, don't <laughs> sing Sweet Caroline, but I couldn't hold it in. <laughs> Okay, like other things I made brief notes about. Um, yeah. Was that leopard not ridiculously ugly? That's just in my notes. <laughs> ugly know. leopard. What? What is up with the ugly leopard? Leopards are gorgeous. I mean, 
only thing I can think is they wanted to make it seem more evil. That's probably it. That's probably Maybe it. that one's just kind of was born extra creepy. But I'm also, like, I feel like it was really built more like a cheetah. I was just like, like the way super skinny. Sabor, you ugly. Yeah. Here's my theory, though. It looked like maybe why it was so angry is it maybe has some sort of disease and it can't keep weight. And or it's like Except it can't find food, so it's like emaciated. Bulging. Its chest was insanely way too much bulging, and its stomach had nothing. I'm like, what is going on with yeah, this? Yeah, maybe maybe it's starving and desperate. I don't know. <laughs> that was my know. thing. I'm like, it looks hungry. <laughs> I apologize, artists of Tarzan. Y'all are amazing. But what were you thinking? <laughs> it was very stylized in some way, for sure. But yeah, yeah. It was, I think it was just to make it more creepy and like odd looking. I think make it unsettling. It. Because instead of going, oh, kitty, and then being upset when it died. Yeah. And also probably because we have another great Disney movie that's about big cats that we probably don't want to make it look too much like to freak the children. Also, can I just (laughs) say that fight scene, the fight scene and the scene when Tarzan was a baby against Sabor, those are some great sequences. Mm -hmm. Those fight scenes are great. But Um, you just mentioned Sabor's death and let's bring up another great moment. Tarzan (laughs) laying Sabor at Kerchak's feet. feet for acceptance. Uh, uh, like, anybody well, who comes in here tells son. me that he does not break tropes. Like, such a soft boy, and I love it. Uh, I love him so much. Yeah, it's almost like, yeah, it's like, I may not be your son, but I've avenged your son, kind of thing. Like, oh. Because he did not know that Sabor killed his parents. He did not? He did not. Oh, yeah. He, he might know have known that Sabor killed Kerchak's son. Yeah, that's what I'm meant. sure that's something they've. Son. Yeah, the whole group knew. It's. I love the complexity between Kerchak's character and Tarzan in this, and it's so good. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't also detract from his relationship with his mother. The scene where he puts on the suit and comes out, and she starts crying, and he says, "No matter where I go, you will always be my mother." Oh my <laughs> gosh, that scene yeah. is so good. You want another one? You want another one? Yeah. You came back. I I came came home. home. (sighs) So good. This movie is so good and so underrated. It is ridiculous. Like, I wonder if it's a victim of, like, when it came out or something. Because it was so good. It's going right into the experimental era. And there's that whole whole thing about movies being made in California versus movies being made in Florida. And I'm wondering if it was one of the ones made in Florida. Maybe. Because the ones or, in Florida were the ones that were more experimental that did Lilo and Stitch and stuff like that. Whereas the ones in California were the ones doing the more traditional ones. Maybe. I'm or, not sure. Or it could have also just been bad marketing. Because a yeah. lot of films are just a victim of bad marketing. And they're like, they're like, well, let's go see this instead of this. Because the trailers for this look better than that. Like, it can always be just they got a bad trailer editor. Also, like, you know. Disney movies starring male characters tend to not do as well as one starring Aladdin, Besides Aladdin had a princess in it. Yeah. It, that is I thing. was going like, to say Aladdin did very well, but Aladdin was right at the beginning of the Renaissance and it had a princess Princess Jasmine in it. was yeah. very pretty. And princessy. <laughs> and but- they probably marketed Robin Williams very well, which was a big draw, and they marketed yeah. Jasmine well. 
But thinking about things like Treasure Planet, thinking about things like Tarzan, Hercules even didn't do as great. Hunchback of Notre Dame didn't do as great. Yeah, and these are all movies that have a really, like, really good character development and really good male, like, role models. And that's, I think that's kind of the issue is Disney is more associated. I mean, with three of us are girls doing this podcast is marketed more towards females because of all those princesses and stuff. But people forget that, like, they make a lot, like, great characters of, for both sexes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, show your boys like like i know a lot of my guy friends and my husband even love like robin hood and jungle book and i was just movies. about to mention those i think it those are it, do you older, think though. do you think that there's a difference when the characters are anthropomorphic because i'm thinking of 101 dalmatians i'm thinking mm. of you know robin hood i'm thinking of the lion king oh yeah mm-hmm. i think I there mean, is a difference because animals are considered you know it's a movie with animals I think they think any kid can enjoy animals. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what, like, if it's just a, like, t- like typecasting in movies. Like, also, Disney is for girls, but Also, it's you have not. to remember, those movies are all a lot older. Like, yeah, that well, was before the not Dark... the Lion King. Well, yeah, yeah, no. But, I mean, like, that was before the Dark Ages, Robin, Robin Hood, Great, um, Great Mouse Detective was in the Dark Ages. But, like, yeah. all those ones that occurred during the Dark Ages, quote, quote, of Disney... You know, that was like a break in between where the, a lot of male characters did strong. Um, and yeah. if you've noticed a difference in princes, starting like with, say, Princess and the Frog, where Naveen had a much bigger role, Naveen had very interesting character development, Naveen was a big step towards being a character just as main as Tiana, and the same thing with Flynn in... Mm-hmm. Um, Tangled, the same thing with Kristoff in Frozen. They're trying to make the Disney Prince character more appealing to the public in general so that they can get boys going to these movies. And it's smart, and I think girls actually enjoy it too, having a male character that's not just, you know... The love interest. The love, not just the love interest, not just the hero Just very two-dimensional, yeah. Yeah, it's it's that I feel like this could go into even a much longer conversation, but yeah, it is interesting. I think Disney's just a little bit more. We take the girls to see this one because it's mm-hmm. Disney, and I think it's just because its brand is associated with magic and, and love and princesses and royalty and everything else that doesn't quite fall into that brand. Kind of gets like, I'm not sure about this mm-hmm. kind of thing. But if it's princesses and magic, it's like. Ah, yes, a Disney film. I know this will be good. Which, so I think it's just a branding th- problem that they have, and they need to maybe work on their marketing for I agree, the more male-dominated Think about Lilo roles. and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch starred a female character the same age group as the target age group they were going for, and yet it wasn't Disney Princess, it wasn't Magic, and it didn't do as well. Yeah, so, so who knows? It's it's an interesting case study. <laughs> yeah, um, I am. Um, I think that boys and girls should be allowed to like any of the things that they want to like, whether it be big, strong, manly heroes or whether it be the princesses and the magic. So I yeah. fully endorse any of that, but it's just interesting thing to notice. Yeah, it could also be generational. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. On the subject of Tarzan, <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> Tarzan. What we're actually we were talking right. about. Tarzan was going to take a long time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had two more things I kind of okay. liked um, to bring up. 
the first, just to quickly touch on. And I think going with that whole equality theme that seems kind of present in this movie and under kind of an undercurrent. Um, Jane kisses Tarzan first. Yes. I love that when she like jumps on him and kisses him. And she's like, oh, I'm she's so like, sorry. And oh, he's what like, have I done? And he's got like, that dopey look on his face and hands yeah. her glove back. It's like, like oh, thank you. <laughs> and whenever oh, he so kisses sweet. her, this goes back to the thing I mentioned. Whenever he kisses her back, he doesn't jump on her the same way. It's very gentle. I was like going back to the way he cups Tarzan's her face. so gentle with people. Like, he's like that way with the kids, the little baby gorillas that he's playing with. He's like that with his mother. He's a very mm. gentle character. And I really While like that. While also being very strong. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I but love yeah, I that love scene. that when he like takes his hands and like puts them around her face to kiss her. I'm like, she's so romantic. She just keeps talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I do like the part when he saves her at the beginning and she like, her umbrella gets snagged on something and he's just kind of like, sigh and has to go back and get her but it's not like the oh my gosh this girl's dumb it's more like oh well you know it was funny she's just not very experienced yeah. it was just kind of an amused shake of the head and i liked it yeah the the last thing is that um language it, you know it's a big deal here and it was in the original novel that was one of the few things that i actually kind of enjoyed in the original novel was um there's a bit where he like he wants to learn English so he can talk to Jane, who's American. And so he runs into these guys, um, these like soldiers that are there and he saves one of them and he asks them, you know, so he asks him through, uh, to teach him how to talk man's language, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, he does. And he, over the period of several weeks, he learns to talk man's language. And he goes back to talk to I Jane, and he's going. been taught French. Yes. <laughs> I knew it! I was like, I can hear this is going. He's learned French, hasn't he? <laughs> he was taught French, and I thought that was really funny. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and it, it kind of does... It sort of vaguely ties in with one of the things they had in the movie and that was his uh talent with mimicry mm-hmm. which kind of gave him an aptitude with languages in the book but in the movie i i really like how they brought that out at times how he's learning words and he's picking things up um quickly very quickly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he has a talent for it yeah, yeah. But I think we've been going quite a while on this subject, yeah, and I sorry. love it, but we have some other things to talk about. But yes. no, it was all great stuff. Yeah. So with that, let's move on to This Week in Disney History, Once Upon a Time. Um, on November 15th, 1989, the L.A. premiere of The Little Mermaid happened, Woo! and number later that week, November 17th, it actually was released to the general public. Bringing Disney out of the Dark Age and into the Renaissance. Renaissance. <laughs> Before we were born. Welcome to the <laughs> Renaissance. All right. Yeah. So. Really but, so and many also my favorite first. princess, by the way. But yeah. And it's just, it's just interesting how you, like, you have those movies that's like, this one just kind of changed the pace and got them back on track of making great movies. And I just love that. Um, and we're going to kind of breeze through some of these cause I feel like our let's get out to business might take a little bit of time as well. I don't know. Um, not as much as others, but maybe a little bit. Um, and then, so we got a new trailer for, or a teaser mm-hmm. for Toy Story 4. Yes. I watched that when it dropped. 
when you go four, it's kind of like, should you? <laughs> I'm not thinking that it's going to be a bad movie. I don't think that. Because none of the previous Toy Stories have been bad movies. But that trailer what though. is with that trailer <laughs> like i don't understand what's happening i i feel like the trailer turned me off of the movie more than it made me excited for the movie it was an interesting choice it seems I like did. they're going for funny and like teasing what the plot like what the point of it's gonna be a little bit i don't even know uh it was confusing. The only Did thing not I, enjoy. The only thing I got was, okay, we have this, maybe we're going into the realm of things that can be created versus a toy you can just buy, like Legos and Tinker Toys and like those types of toys. Or like, this is a, a toy a kid has made and he's like, I didn't come from a factory or anything, so what am I? It's kind of like... Maybe playing on that, you're different, you're Is unique that kind of thing. But it was so for a Disney film. <laughs> it was so oddly done that, and I think, and I don't even know if that's actually what they're going for. But I don't know. It's uh, I'm confused, yeah. and I don't get it. But maybe more trailers will make more sense because I guess teasers are kind of like, well, we're just going to show them this movie's coming out. Disney, I feel, is always very vague with their teasers. I mean, vague is fine. They could have stayed vague. There's a lot of stuff <laughs> they could have done. But this just made no sense to me. It was weird. <laughs> yeah. That's all we're going to say about that. Yeah, I, listeners, yeah, give it, us your thought on this very, like, vague oh, and random teaser. trailer. Because we're kind of all, like... Huh? Confused. confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... But a movie we pretty sh we're pretty sure we know how it's going to go. Maybe that's coming out next week uh, for Thanksgiving yes. is Ralph breaks the internet, the sequel to Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, Thanks. I'm so excited for this movie. And I love that in the one of the trailers they go to the Oh My Disney section, and that's yes. where I get a lot of references, like and links for this podcast because like they have the information you need on things so i think that's kind of hilarious that they go to their own website with the information on characters and stuff what is that synergy synergy <laughs> but i don't know i, I hope it's it. good i, I hope think it, has, it will i hope <laughs> it has a good plot and it's not just fun references the whole time well i mean the first movie was plot with fun references the whole time it was just yeah. fun references to older stuff. This is going to be the same kind of thing, but with fun references to stuff that's new. Yeah. So, so hopefully I, they maintain the plot it. aspect is the only thing I'm worried about. And they're not just, let's make a sequel to make more money. I hope it's a, they really put thought into it. I but really I'm always want, worried about that with all sequels. I want Fix-It Felix and the, is she a captain? What was she? Oh, I don't remember. I, oh, I don't remember her name right now. Anyway, I want, I want them in it. Yes. 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 And we do know that our favorite Disney princesses will be showing up for we don't know how long and how important to the plot they'll be. Probably not a lot, but it'll be fun nonetheless. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Go see that. Comes out the day before Thanksgiving. Yes. Um. Go see it on Black Friday if you don't want to go stand in crazy lines or go see it with your family. Or, or maybe whatever. dads, if mom is going crazy working 
on getting stuff ready. Maybe you can take the kids to go see it and get them out of her hair for a while while she's working. Yeah. You know? Or maybe moms, while dad is working so hard to prepare that Thanksgiving dinner, you can take the kids to go see <laughs> Yeah, dads. How about you cook Whatever the turkey this year? Whatever your family situation, if the kids need to be distracted and not be like pestering the adults, I have a better see one. This movie. Children, hey parents, children. if you haven't put your kids to work preparing Thanksgiving yes. dinner yet, do that and then go, <laughs> we'll see, go see a movie. Together. Yeah, to make those children earn their key, they can cook a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we're excited, and hopefully, we will all get a chance to see that and be able to talk about it maybe do a little spoiler cast if you guys want i'm, I'm yeah. up for that yeah i'm down yeah so i'm up. look forward to that and also for our last little bit of news a very special mouse just celebrated his 90th birthday yeah. mickey birthday. mouse is 90 everyone it's geriatric Happy mouse Day. In 10 years, he'll be 100. <laughs> he's not geriatric. He's like um, the mouse from the Green Mile. Oh, yeah. he's just going to live forever like yeah. Mr. Jingles. <laughs> <laughs> Happy and birthday, yeah. dear Mickey. Happy birthday to you. What's interesting about Mickey, though, is so when he was new, like people probably grew up watching Mickey cartoons and things like that, like the original ones. Yeah. But like, I feel like there have so, been so many different iterations with Mickey that it's kind of kept him around and like relevant and like, but it's all different for different generations. Like for me, like they had some like short, like Mickey's Christmas Carol and yeah. things like that. Like, and uh, he would just kind of show up and like he was in a goofy movie oh, for like Jack no, and the little Camelo, the Jack and the Beanstalk, the fun and fancy Mickey, free like movies. Mickey wasn't in a goofy movie, was he? He was there for like two seconds. Because they, they go by, there is in the driving scene and he and Donald show up and and I forget what they say, I but they drive past them this. in the Goofy movie. Yeah. I don't remember, but it's been a long time. I've Maybe seen that one needs movie. to be one we pick eventually. Yeah, I was like, I thought only Pete made a cameo. Yeah, well, Pete's actually in. Goofy yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. And but Mickey and Donald have a short little cameo as during the open road song. Okay, Out on the open road. Yeah, it's really fast, but it's like, oh, oh there okay. they are. They they say he says something. It's like goodbye or some, uh, or something. I forget what he says, but anyway, I trust you. Yeah. And Speaking of, uh, we have to. I'll be remiss. It's loosely Disney because Disney owns Marvel, but we lost a wonderful man. Yes. Yesterday. For, yesterday. Yeah. No, the day before yesterday. Monday. Um, Ninety-five years old. Stanley. Yeah, my on, word. Uh, the newest or soon to be next episode of First Gate 411, we talk about that as well. But yeah, we want to. He created everyone out there's favorites, and is, those favorites have made a lot of money for Disney and have made a big mark for them in their Marvel studios. So, yeah. And uh, I know a couple of us had the good fortune to be able to meet him. Yeah. yeah. I didn't meet him, but I got to go to one of his panels, and that was enjoyable. Yeah. So. so. Before we make Carrie cry, but yeah, rest I'm in peace, Stan Lee. Yeah. We love you. Thank you so much for all of the great characters you've given us. And with that, before Carrie really starts gushing, gotta move on. <laughs> let's get down to, to business, business. and rank these horses. The horses. <laughs> duh, duh. Okay, so what's the order again? <laughs> Who goes first? 
Look, host goes first. Host okay. goes first. <laughs> and then host from the previous week goes last. So that means you're first, Deanna, then me, then Corey. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you guys remember these things. Every week, we never remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably different every week. Who knows? <laughs> probably. Okay. So my number four Disney horse. And remember, we're going to try not to talk over each other. <laughs> Just as a reminder. It's always difficult, though. My number four is Khan, Mulan's mm. horse. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and there's some parts in the movie he runs after Mulan in the avalanche. Like, that's a pretty brave horse. He's like, I'm going to go get her because I love her. And mm. he also tries to trample Mushu. I think he maybe thinks he's a snake or he just knows and he's annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also he's the, he's part of the, Dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow. cow. He is the cow. <laughs> so he's that joke every time that Mushu makes. But, and I just love his personality. He like messes with Mushu and stuff. And a gorgeous horse. I love the way he's animated as well. Um, so yeah. And he, like, he takes him on everywhere. And she needs a good horse to support her. Um, my number three is Fru Fru from <laughs> the Aristocats. I thought of Fru Fru. Um, she helps, like, stop Edgar. Like, she kicks him into the chest that he goes off to Timbuktu in. So she's kind of always there trying to help as much as she can. And she's sweet. And yes, Carrie. Public PSA. Timbuktu is a real place. Okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. Look it up. It's a real place. It's in Africa. Okay, we're moving on. Okay, moving on. Um... Anyway, and so yeah, I just love Fru Fru. I was just like, I looked at the list of horses, like, oh yeah, Fru Fru, should love her. Um, my number two is Maximus from Tangled, and I picked him because he has his own character development in this movie. Like, he starts off very much like straight laced, and I like follow the law, and I do what my master tells me, and then he falls for. Like Rapunzel, and he finds a soft spot, and he ends up helping them, even though they're criminals, technically, or at least Flynn is. And so I just love that he kind of has his own character development within the story, and he's very sassy. <laughs> um, my number one is Captain from One Hundred One Dalmatians. Oh, mostly because he helped take down the henchmen of the worst Disney villain. <laughs> Jasper and Horace. <laughs> um, yeah, and he helps slow down Horace and Jasper's chase of the puppies, and he aids in the rescue and discovery of the puppies' location, and he also can kind of run correspondence with, like, the dogs giving the alert, and he's just very helpful and very in a very kind, I think, Clydesdale, maybe. I think that's right. Some big horsey. But, yeah. I just, like, I saw Captain, I was like, that's a noble steed right there. <laughs> Did you hear that? I'm a noble steed. Noble steed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, yeah. Wait, what's that from? That's not Disney. That's not Disney. It's blasphemous. <laughs> All right. Okay. Good list, Deanna. Thank All right. You. There is mine. My number four is Samson from... Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty, died yes. for one second. Um, Samson from Sleeping Beauty... <laughs> I went, I ranked my horses by usefulness, um, or like how they help things. And so, like, 
he helped he helped Philip find Aurora. Like without him, Samson wouldn't he would Philip wouldn't have found Aurora in the beginning. And I also love the personality thing where he's like, I'll give you carrots. He's like, yeah. like I love I love that. It, it amuses me. So that that scene, I know he doesn't play like a huge part, but I always really liked Samson as a kid. So uh, and he was very useful in helping him find Aurora. And that's why he's my number four. My number three is Philippe from Beauty and the Beast. I considered Philippe as well. I love Philippe. Without Philippe, Belle would not have been able to find her father and save him. So that's a big deal. And then in the end, she comes riding to the Beast's rescue on Philippe. So without Philippe, Belle wouldn't have been able to rescue either of her men. So it's important. He's important. Uh, my number two is Maximus, because Maximus was very useful. Maximus was smart. He was smarter than his boss. And people were like, what's going on? His boss was like, no, no. Let him do his thing. Um, and, you know, he could sword fight. You know, he was just a great horse. But for, like, half the movie, over half the movie, he was actively working against our hero's goal. So he was not my number one, as much as I love him. Aww. My number one, to no one's surprise, is Khan yeah. <laughs> from Mulan. Hey, Khan saves Mulan's life. What? Okay, <laughs> her life was saved. Okay, that's a big deal. A hor- horses spook very easily, <laughs> but that horse charged into danger in an avalanche to save its master. That horse was willing to save her when Shang pulled out the sword to kill her, and they were like, restrain him! And that horse did not freak out when the cart was on fire full of gunpowder. It was like, save me, mom! Thank you for saving me! I will ride you to Sean Yu! So, that horse is a hero, and that horse acted nobly, so that horse is number one because it saved the hero's life and helped the hero finish her goal and was just above and beyond the call of duty. Con! Okay. <laughs> Another noble <Hi>. steed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was exciting. I had to defend myself because they all started frowning when I said Con from Mulan. Like, we know. <laughs> uh, yep. Hey, it was legit, because at first, was it number one? Hey, at least you're consistent. I'm <laughs> old reliable here. So, yeah. Um, we're gonna disagree Oof. on these horses. <laughs> oh, boy. My number four was Achilles from <gasps> The Hunchback of, of Notre Achilles. Dame. Oh, yeah. I loved Achilles. As a, as a child, that was one of my, like, favorite things, was this horse doing dog tricks. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. And, you know, the Sit. entire reason they kept Achilles included in the movie was for the joke. Achilles, heel. So oh. funny. <laughs> so funny. I never realized that until now. <laughs> you didn't realize that? Hey, Cameron, there's a great pod in Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> Oh, that went over my head. (laughs) That's so great. I'll tell you, I thought of Achilles. I didn't pick him, but we're not supposed to interrupt you. Okay. So yeah, Achilles, number four. He did help out by uh, sitting on various guards um, when needed. (laughs) (laughs) 
and uh yeah he just rocked my world when i was a kid i enjoyed i enjoyed <laughs> the horse doing dog tricks so much mm-hmm. um my number three was Fru-Fru from the Aristocats. Yes, <laughs> Because, as Deanna said, she did kick Edgar into the trunk at the end of the movie, but she's also the reason that they even found out what was going on. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Fru-Fru was the one that Edgar told about his plan. Right. Mm. Yes. And so Fru-Fru did play an integral role. Fru-Fru also stopped... Edgar from getting the trunk with the cats in it away hmm. by yes. getting in his way. Fru-Fru played a very important role mm-hmm. in the uh, in the Aristocats, but sadly at the very end of the movie um, joined in with singing Everybody Wants to Be a Cat, so I'm very sorry that Fru-Fru is not comfortable being a horse because she is a very good horse. <laughs> that horse can rock a hat. She oh, can. Yeah. She has a lovely hat. <laughs> And she, also, she, she could be in. She could make a cameo in Mary Poppins, and that would make my day. I forgot Aww. how much Fru Fru did, to be honest. So you go for Fru. <laughs> you go for Fru. <laughs> so my number two is Bullseye. Bullseye. Oh, I thought about Bullseye. Yeah, um, Bullseye saved the day in Toy Story Two. He's the one that managed to break free first, and he's also the one that managed to get Woody um, where he needed to be to save Jesse. Yeah. So, yeah, he's also yeah, super like cute, and I don't know why this is a thing, but apparently I like horses that act like dogs. I don't know. <laughs> this is a, this is a thing I didn't realize till just this moment that apparently I like. So I'm learning things about myself. Um, also, you're also consistent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the loving of the dog. All right, Corey. <laughs> What's your number one horse? My number one horse. I bet you know. Um, Is it Amos Slade? (laughs) My number one Disney horse is Amos Slade from the Fox and the Hound. The human. (laughs) I did joke about doing that a lot, but no, I didn't waste my horse slot because they would both vote me down this time. I'll save him for another time. Um, Amos Slade is not my number one Disney horse. My number one Disney horse is Maximus from Tangled. I also loved Maximus's personality. He was very committed to his job. He was more effective at it than his rider, which, I mean, how often does that happen? And, um, yeah, he was... When I was looking up things for this, I was looking up Maximus, and I was looking up Flynn Rider and things like that, and they listed Flynn Rider's nemesis as Maximus. That's terrible! I mean, it wasn't the guards, it wasn't the kingdom, it was Maximus. So, I mean, I love that horse. He has the best facial expressions. And that moment when he appears and uses his hooves to separate the men as he steps through kills me <laughs> i i was looking through um horse disney horse stuff preparing for this and i just found a gif of that and i watched it for longer than i'd care to admit just over and over i love the part when she's t- he meets rapunzel for the first time and he's acting like a dog and she's like have you been chasing this mean old man oh you poor thing nobody appreciates you he's like oh like nodding a lot. I love, I love it. So. Oh, and the suggestive eyebrow raise. <laughs> I love Maximus's facial expressions so much. The only reason he was my number two is because he was actively working against the heroes for most of the movie. He's really the only reason. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, 
the hero was also a criminal. The hero was Hello, a Kita. lost princess! <laughs> but yes, but the hero he was working against. I'm not saying the main, he- the main hero of the movie, because the main hero of the movie was obviously Rapunzel and not Flynn, but Flynn... Flynn deserved a good chasing. That's true. <laughs> by virtue of being picked by all three of us, Maximus is our number one Disney horror. Yay, Maximus! Yay! Um, uh, we also had Fru Fru on two lists. And Con on two lists. Con on two Con! Um, I will say, no. I think Con should go number two because he was your number one. Okay. And he saved the life of <laughs> The hero of China. Well, Fru saved some cats. All right. (laughs) Saving the lives of cats is important. That's why Fru is number three. What about saving the lives of puppies? Should he be on this list? (laughs) Okay, here's my thing. I I really love me some bullseye. Mm. And I know it's the life of a doll, but bullseye is great. Um, like, I forsake my decisions of Philippe and Samson in favor of y'all that you have. I really like Achilles. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all are taking my list this week. We are. We are. I I think either Captain or Bullseye should be number four. I like Achilles. Achilles is great. But really, Achilles just sat twice. Corey, do you want... On a guard! Do you want... (laughs) Toy horse that saves toys or real horse that saves puppies? Honestly, I like Captain. I like Captain yes, for this. Captain! Alright. <laughs> Honorable mentions to Bullseye, Achilles, Samson, and Philippe. Yeah. Many great I am so shocked nobody picked Pegasus. Pegasus is not a horse! <laughs> he was, he was included. Horse. Okay. I included the him thing, in the criteria. The of a bird. Uh, sorry, he's a magnificent horse. Excuse okay. me. I apologize. I, I'm sorry, Pegasus. Pegasus was on my list of top sidekicks, if you remember. But I mm-hmm. went legit. I went with a horse. You know, I I wanted yeah. to pick horses. Yeah, and even like I love Pegasus, but he's kind of like, Opie. yeah. Well, he's just. Not quite, like, the best, like, hero. Like, he saves Hercules sometimes, but I feel like he's just kind of like, I'm here because I have to be. Like, he doesn't like Megara. He's just sassy to her the whole time, pretty much. So Why I don't does know. your horse have to like your girlfriend to be considered a good horse? I mean, he's just not nice. <laughs> I am I not love Pegasus. Who nice. <laughs> said he was nice? So, um, in preparation for this list, I mentioned this to my coworkers, and... She goes, well, does it have to be a horse? Can it be a donkey? And I was like, no! <laughs> oh, my. Wait, what would the donkey no. be? What do you think she thought was Disney? Oh, does she think Shrek? Yeah. Oh. oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> Collective groan. Now. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't great. But it was funny because I didn't actually realize when she said that. I was like, oh, are you talking about the small one? And she goes, no, Shrek. And I was like, oh. What about what's her name? <laughs> Penelope? Uh, the the donkey, the mule from Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I love Lampwick. That. Lampwick was my favorite Disney horse. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's an old reference, dear. I love it. Um, okay, but yeah, so right. we need to wrap up because yes. Out. So next week, oh, we need to we need to review watching... our horses again. 
Oh, okay. So our number one. Maximus. Is Maximus from Kangled. Our number two, Khan from Mulan. Khan! No. Number three, Fru-Fru from Aristocats. Number four, Captain from 101 Dalmatians. He saved I like it. the puppies. You saved the kitties and the puppies. You're yeah. good with us. Yes. <laughs> um... And next week, we will be ranking our top four Disney female heroines. Non-princesses. Yeah. Carrie gets commoners. to the criteria because she's hosting. I'm hosting it. And top four Disney commoner heroines. The, the movie we're watching <laughs> is Nightmare Before Christmas because we're halfway between Christmas and things. <laughs> Christmas and Halloween. There we go. Yay! Yes. Yay! Right. Well, I think that's it. Yep. Yep. Great so, to be back together, you guys. Yes. And Gang's if you want here. to contact us about anything about the podcast, if you want to chat, or if you have suggestions for other rankings or movies we should watch, you can contact us on our Facebook and our Twitter, which is at FTPD underscore podcast, and our emails and things like that. And you can also talk to us on our personal Twitters. Mine is at Deanna790. I am at spilled underscore water. <laughs> no, I'm not. I gave you the wrong one. I am at spilled X water. Excuse me. I started giving you carries, which is at sparkle underscore fists. I mixed our, our uh, Twitter handles up. Yeah, I, I get them mixed up sometimes. Underscore fists. Uncles. 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 Yeah. So that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.